Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to carry on this morning from where I left off last week. We, we, last week we spoke about honoring the Holy Spirit. Jay, just a little bit less please. I'm echoing a bit too much. Thank you. We're talking about honoring the Spirit of God and what that means and what that looks like. Last week we, we spoke, I'm not going to go into too much detail of what we did last week. All of the stuff is freely available either on podcast or SoundCloud, whichever your device prefers. And so I do want to continue along the same line of thought, but I want to start from a slightly different place, a different departure point. Because this last week, we celebrated Ascension Day. The glorious Victory Day. The day that we celebrate not just Christ's resurrection, but His Ascension. And that has tremendous significance of it in it. You know, we often speak about the forgiveness of sins and that Jesus died on the cross and that Jesus shed His blood. Uh, we speak of the fact sometimes that Jesus rose again from the dead and therein lies our victory. But the ascension of Jesus carries within it something very powerful and something very significant to our everyday lives. And so the, I want to start perhaps by getting back to the honoring of the Holy Spirit, but from the point of ascension and understanding what it is, why it is that that is so significant, what it is Jesus accomplished, and, why, and how that brings us back to the flow of the Holy Spirit. You see, through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and his ascension, he established himself as supreme authority forever. Supreme authority. Like we spoke about during our time of worship, that name of Jesus is victorious forever and ever. And any other name can say whatever, whatever else they like. It doesn't change the fact that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Last week we read the scripture. I want to read it again. Revelations chapter 5, verse 11 to 13 speaking about what's going on up in heaven. And the Apostle John looks and he has this vision. And Revelation 5.11 says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. It's this, this chorus that goes up that says anything that he, He's worthy of, of all glory, everything I have to give, every attribute that is wonderful, He is worthy of it. Not, not just that I choose to give it to Him and there's other options. No, there's only one who is worthy of all honor and all glory and it says, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. It's an eternal establishment of Jesus Christ's place at the right hand of the Father. Given the name that is above every other name, 
a position that is established as victorious, unquestioned, forever, ultimate. And this is our Jesus. This is our glorious, victorious Savior in His rightful place, triumphant, triumphant over sin, triumphant over death, triumphant over all the powers of darkness. That's an incredible picture that, we, that should fill our hearts and minds and allow our imaginations to run with. You know, some people will tell you only so many will make it into heaven. It's only how many? With thousands of thousands of thousands of people praising that glorious and wonderful name. And again, in another place, the Apostle Paul writes about it in the book of Philippians. When he's talking to the church about just the heart and the spirit of humility, he says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ who didn't consider equality with God, his position in heaven, something to be held on to. But he made himself of no reputation and he came down to earth. And the, the reward for what he did is humbling himself to man and humbling himself even to death on the cross. We, we kind of pick up that story in Philippians 2 verse 9 where it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So no matter what name you come with, no matter what authority, there's a name that is above it, and that's the name of Jesus. Supreme authority. That word just keeps coming up, but it's, it, we need to kind of get that in our hearts and minds sometimes, because sometimes we're, we're faced with and focused on other names that challenge us, other mountains that we can see that have a name, challenges, and we forget that our God's name is Supreme. It's kind of what David did when he rocked up on the battlefield where his brothers and all the, 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 the army of Israel was encamped on one side of the valley and on the other side of the valley was Goliath and his army. And Goliath would come in for 40 days, morning and night, and taunt the people of Israel. And they, this, their eyes were on this name, this name of a man called Goliath who struck fear into their hearts for 40 days and 40 nights until David comes on the scene. And he says, who is this? This name means nothing to me because there's a higher name. Who does he think he is to defy the armies of the, Israel, the God of Israel? What name is this? And he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear. I come at you in the name. In the name. And he didn't even have the name of Jesus yet. <laughs> So folks, we come from a point of view and our, our thinking needs to begin from a point of view that our Jesus, our Savior, is supreme. That there is no other name. He continues in that scripture to say that the name which is above every name, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here again we see this picture of this glorious, victorious King given the name above every name, the place, the highest authority. The Lordship and the victory of Jesus, it's interesting that the Scripture says, is the glory to the, of the Father. Brings glory to the Father. That every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord, and when we do, it glorifies the Father. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect manifestation of His glorious love pursuit of you and I. What Jesus accomplished opened the way for His love to break through. What Jesus accomplished broke the power of all that which holds back and keeps us from 
intimacy with God and the great love that He desires for us. And Jesus is this picture of a warring God who fought the enemy to win back you and I, to pay the price that you and I could have intimacy with Him. You see, the wonderful thing about our King is that His glorification up to the highest place is not a means by which He elevates Himself above His people. It's not like He's now up there and we're down here. But our God is a God who so loves you and I that instead of separating Himself from us, and He could even have stayed there, Jesus came down to where we are so that He could lift us up to where He is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 6 from the Passion Translation says this, But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. Listen to this. He raised us up with Christ the Exalted One, and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? We kind of put Jesus up there in this victorious position, and we look to Him from a lowly position in our own minds where we don't... We, We don't have anything. We don't have any power. We don't have any authority. Now, is that partly true? Well, yes, we are utterly dependent on Jesus. But the reality of the situation is that when Jesus came down and rose again, the Bible says that He seated us with Himself in heavenly places. So that victory and that authority that He won is ours. It can work in and through our lives if we believe it if we see ourselves the way God sees us. He raised us up with Christ the Exalted One, ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God is that we receive this name which is above every other name as our family name. Does that make sense? You go into certain settings and you speak a name and suddenly they'll open the way for you to go in. Why? Because you're a VIP. In the kingdom of God, you and I are VIPs. Very important people. So important, in fact, that God died for you. Jesus died for you. Does that mean we walk around with arrogance? Expecting everybody just to make a way for us? Oh, I'm not standing in this queue. I'm a child of God. I'll go straight to the front. Excuse me. No, it's not a place of arrogance. It's a place of such favor that as soon as you walk in, they go, oh, please, sir, come and stand in the front. No, I'm just... <laughs> it's a place of such favor, and it's a place of such grace that when we walk into a place, we are so filled with favor and grace that just like Jesus, we look to share that favor and grace with others. That's what it means. It means that we are empowered to break that which holds captive in and by the name of Jesus and by the power of His Spirit. It means that where we go, 
that heavenly authority, that love from Jesus goes with us. Why? Because he resides and abides in us. You see, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he secured a divine exchange on our behalf. He accomplished two things, two incredible things. In taking his place in glory, he established a place for us where he is. And at the same time, he established a place for himself where we are. Isn't that incredible? Jesus made a place. He says, I go to my Father. I prepare a place for you. He made a place for us where he is, that we could be there with him, one with the Father. I mean, you just have to read Jesus' prayer in John 17. He says, Father, I pray for them that they may be one as we are one. I in you and, and them in me and me in you and you in me and this oneness, this complete togetherness, bondedness, all together as one. We established the place for us where he is. And by taking away the yoke of sin, he established a place for himself here where we are in our hearts, where his presence can abide and reside. Since the very beginning, since creation, God dwelt with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the cool of the day. He had rich fellowship with them. When that was broken, he constituted a sacrificial system so that his presence could come and be with his people. Even if it was just one day a year, he would come and his presence would be in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. The temple was established so that his presence could be with his people. Why? Because God wants to be with his people. And when Jesus ascended, it didn't ascend to go away. He ascended to make a place where he is for us and where we are for himself. He says it this way in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage that he goes away, he says to the disciples. They couldn't understand this. Surely Jesus is going to establish the kingdom now. He's, he's going to rise up. He's going to take the throne. He's going to defeat the Roman occupation. He's going to establish Jerusalem as the capital of the world. And his kingdom's going to come in a natural way. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it's going to work. I need to go away. But he says, it's better for you that I go away. It's to your advantage, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You see, from his position of authority, he releases and commissions us by the power of his spirit to co-labor with him in the establishment of his victory in the earth. Jesus didn't establish it like an earthly king. I know we spoke about this quite a lot a few weeks ago. The people of Israel's expectation of a Davidic monarch who, uh, who would come in and, and rule like that and just in a natural way crush the kingdoms of this world. But Jesus said, I'm going to work very differently. I'm going to attain a victory, and I'm going to put that victory into your heart. And as that victory gains traction in your heart, your life is going to change, and you're going to begin gaining victory. And your light's going to begin shining. And wherever you go, you're going to make that victory known. Because I'm not going to lead by laws and decrees that come from the top. I'm going to lead from hearts that are changed by my very presence within. Until people take on the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, we've been talking about honoring the Holy Spirit. That place for Him in my heart where I value His presence. To honor means to value, to respect, 
with great humility. And I don't take this gift that God has given me of His presence within for granted. I don't just, it's not some, some little ticket that I have to say, okay, God lives within me, I'm okay, I'm saved, I can go to heaven now. When Jesus came to give us something which is a living relationship, a two-way thing, and an empowerment that His victory that He won can be worked in and through our lives. This is the whole point of the Great Commission. When Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 28, I'll read the verses to you, 18 to 21. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You see how that theme keeps ringing through? I am now supreme. All authority has been given to me. And then he says, Go therefore. And the implication of that is very clear. When somebody in authority gives you an instruction and you carry out that instruction, you do so not in your own authority, but in the authority of the one who gave you the instruction. In carrying out the command, you are representing the giver of the command. So Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, you go therefore. In other words, wherever you go in my name, my authority is backing you, my victory is backing you, my presence is backing you. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going away, but I will be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not asking you to go like lambs to the slaughter. My presence is with you. Another place, Jesus says, in this world you're going to have tribulations. A lot of them for my name's sake. You're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I'm with you. That victory resides within you. Folks, this message of ascension, this message of the presence of the Holy Spirit that is now able to live within me and lead me and guide me is a message of hope. It's a message of empowerment. It's a message of intimacy with my Father in heaven through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within my heart. Remember last week I said there's many ways we can express honor. Sometimes we do it by lip service. Sometimes we do it by gifts. But the greatest honor we can give anybody is to follow their counsel, is to heed when they lead. The greatest honor we can give somebody is to follow them. And I want to say to you this morning, unless we avail ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God, we never will be. The Holy Spirit is not forceful. He doesn't... Do you understand what I mean by that? He doesn't make us do things. Jesus does not force Himself upon anyone, even though He is all authority. Think about that. James chapter 3 says, The wisdom which is from above is first pure, then peaceable, and willing to yield. You know, God, God is willing to yield to you. He's willing to let you have your way if you want it. He's never going to force His way on you. But He also promises that my ways are good, and they are justice, and they are righteousness, and they are peace, and they are blessing. And as, we th as I've been pondering on this idea of God has made a wonderful place for me where He is, and at the same time established in my heart a wonderful place through faith in Him where His presence resides. The best way that I can honor that presence is to tune into it 
and allow myself to be led by it, to listen with my heart. What is it that God is saying to me? What instructions is He giving me? God, which way are you leading? How are you guiding me? I've come to learn that practical information without practical application flatters to deceive. Let me explain what I mean by that. When somebody gives you practical information, the the analogy I normally use is, is with driving a car because it's a good analogy. Practical information says this is how you drive a car. You put your foot on the clutch, you select the gear, give a bit of throttle, engage the clutch, find that that sweet spot where it begins to take, and off you go. And that's how you kind of change gears, and this is how you indicate, and this is how you turn the wheel. And you can give all kinds of instruction. But unless somebody actually applies that, they're not going anywhere. And you can, they can talk about how they know how to drive a car and explain to you the exact same thing that you've just explained to them, and it'll be 100% accurate. But they are deceived into thinking they can drive a car just because they know how. They don't know how. They've never driven a car. Only once you get out on the road and you try that clutch thing and you end up having to go to physio for whiplash that you realize that it's a little more tricky. (laughs) That was my first experience. Well, you learn. And, And it's the same thing with the Word of God. I think many of us have know what the Word of God says or the Bible says about certain things, about my neighbor, about sharing the gospel, about being peace and grace and love. Sometimes some of us have words of prophecy or instructions from God. We have impressions from the Holy Spirit and and we can attest to them. But without action, without application, without taking that which is spiritual and bringing it into the natural, the victory in the life that is contained in those words never finds expression and no change or influence for the kingdom takes place. Jesus didn't, the Bible doesn't say to us that God so loved the world, full stop. It doesn't just deal with an emotion. It doesn't just deal with a thought. It deals with something that is so deep that it actually leads me to do something. Because if I think I know things and there's no fruit in my life, I'm flattered myself to to deception. I think that what I know is bearing fruit in my life, but I'm deceived. It doesn't. And in fact, it leads me to pride. Oh, I know how to do that. Oh, I, you can do that. Really? James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. That's the deception. Because I know something, or because I heard God say something to me once, that automatically that's working in my life. It's often sobering for me to for us to think of these things, to look at our lives and actually investigate and look, say, Father, what is the fruit of my life? How am I advancing your kingdom? Who am I pouring into? Where do I see an expression of your love deliberately given in terms of a work of service or a word spoken or just being of love and blessing to somebody, leading somebody to the Lord? When last were you able to share God's love with somebody in a practical way? When last was I able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with somebody? When last did I win a soul to Jesus? The the absence of kingdom works of influence in and through our lives, folks, is not a reflection of how good a Christian we are or how bad a Christian we are. It simply points to a deficiency in our relationship with Jesus. We haven't given honor to the Holy Spirit's presence within 
for Him to guide us and lead us in works of righteousness and of life. Because I want to say something to you this morning, we, there, that there is no such thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian. Oh, he's a good Christian. Really, I often hear people say to me, Pastor, he's a good Christian. Really. Now, what is a bad Christian and what is a good... There's no such thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian. As soon as you do that, you, you, you attribute value to self-effort. No, either you are like Christ, you've been transformed into His likeness by, 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 by sanctification through time spent in His Word, through adjusting your life, or you're carnal and fleshly. Either we're properly connected to the vine with His sap flowing through us, producing fruit naturally, or we're not. It's one or the other. And what I'm trying to communicate to you here this morning, folks, is not a matter of religious duties or tasks that need to be accomplished. I'm talking about a presence that lives within me, that when I tune into it and I yield to it and allow Holy Spirit to yield, uh, to, to do through me that which He desires to do, the result is fruitfulness in my life for the kingdom. The answer to, fruit, to fruitlessness is not works. It's yielding. I want to say that again. The answer to a lack of fruit or the remedy to a lack of fruitfulness in my life is not getting out there and doing more works because then we get stuck into the flesh. The antidote to fruitlessness is yielding to the sap, the Holy Spirit. That's where the life comes from to do. That's where the heart motivation comes to, through. Now, does that mean there's no works? Of course there's works. Of course there's an outworking of that which, has to go, that which goes on within me. But it's not motivated or driven with me trying to earn fruit or favor. It's motivated by a love that God places in my heart for a person in a situation. It's a matter of my heart catching the heart of my Father, the one who's taken up residence with it, and seeing things from His perspective. It's a matter of my willing yieldedness to the leading of Holy Spirit that is within me. And why do I do that? Because I, I, I realize that He is the one that needs to be supreme in my heart. He is the one who needs to be enthroned. He is the one who needs to be leading. Because that name is above every other name, that name of Jesus. And the reality is this, folks. I speak from experience that we get caught up in stuff. We all do. I don't preach this from a dizzy height to you. I'm sharing with you what God is laying on my heart, what I'm being challenged by. And so often, we're either just going through the run-of-the-mill stuff, the, the formulaic things, this is how we do things, we're just into the routines of daily life, without really looking to God for any kind of leading or unction that He may want to do something different with me today. We shoot off a few quick prayers in the morning to, you know, kind of just pray that, you know, shake the rabbit's foot and then the day will be okay, you know. Do our little religious thing and then the then inference is then, then everything will go all right with me today. But there's a relationship that Jesus came to bring us into. A relationship where we can stand in His authority because of the place that He has given to us. To be a change. That we are empowered for so much more than we realize we are. So much more within us that God wants to release. It's that realization that comes to life when we say, Lord, how do you want me to live today? 
how can I give you honor, Holy Spirit, in this moment? It's going into every meeting, into every altercation or, 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 or conversation, I think is probably a better word. God, how can I bring you glory? How do you want to lead me through, through your Spirit? So where do I start? How do I start in this? Like I've just said, you avail yourself. You know, even during our times of worship, just availing ourselves. And the Bible says when you come together, there should be such a wonderful spirit of unity that one is bringing a word of prophecy and another is bringing a psalm and another one is bringing a song and another one is just bringing a word of encouragement where the body comes together and everybody, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, is speaking things and contributing to the flow in such a way that the whole body is edified beautifully. That you bring your gift and I'll bring my gift. I'll do the singing. I can sing. Somebody else, please bring something else. Maybe you can't sing. You understand the gist that I'm giving? You've got a gift, I've got a gift. But maybe right now, where you are, let's, let's give a moment to this. So where you are, just put down your device, put down your notebook, put down your Bible. We serve a living God. So let's bow our heads for just for one moment. And acknowledge the Lord in this moment. Father, we want to thank you today for what the ascension of your Son means to us. We want to thank you that you've seated him at, the right, at your right hand, Lord. That all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him. And thank you that in him, Father God, we are seated with you in heavenly places that his victory is our victory, that Christ's breakthrough is our breakthrough, and that Christ's authority has become our authority through his name as we submit to him. And Lord, we want to thank you that within our hearts you've created a place for yourself. And thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit is the seal of our, of our salvation, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we want to just take a moment to acknowledge you. Maybe you want to pray this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, I acknowledge your presence in this moment. Thank you for your, in, your abiding presence within me. And thank you for this corporate anointing where your presence is so tangible, Lord. Today I want to give you the position of preeminence in my heart. Forgive me for being so distracted, for having my mind so set on my own agendas that there's no room for you to lead me. I want to change that right now. And in light of that, I ask you to speak to me. Show me what it is that you want me to shift to make room for you. Whether it's an attitude, whether it's a mannerism, whether it's a routine. And Holy Spirit, I ask you now to reveal to me 
who you are sending me to to share your kingdom with. Maybe a person, it may be a company, it may be a situation, it may be a, a, a culture, it may be a nation. But right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you just in this moment to bring to life and light in our hearts where it is that you desire for us to take the message of Jesus and to demonstrate your love. And if a name comes to your mind right now, I want you to write that name down. If a situation or a company or a group of friends comes to your heart right now, write their names down. Holy Spirit, who do you want me to share, to share your life with, to share your, your love with, Lord? What prayer is it that you want us to pray? What is it that you want to unlock through us? What is it that you want to bind through us? What is it that you want to release through us for the breakthrough of somebody else? Lord, so often I'm so, we're so fixated on our own breakthroughs, on the, our own needs. Lord, lead us to those where we can be the blessing to somebody else to break through for them. We honor you this morning, Spirit. We honor you. We honor your leading. And I pray that you'd give us wisdom, grace, instruction, and insight into the hearts and lives and situations into which you're leading us, that we may be your light shining into darkness, that we may speak your words of life and encouragement, your kingdom influence may grow and that others' lives may be drawn nearer to you by your power working through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as God has laid things on your heart this morning, I believe He has, and I believe if you've answered that prayer, maybe you're not sure just yet. I believe God's going to answer that prayer as you continually avail yourself to Him. And if God has given you a name, if God has given you a situation, pray into that. Give it your heart. Give it your prayer. Don't just run in. Don't just run in and start saying, God said I must pray for them first. Pray for that situation. And see how the Spirit of God will lead you. I have never, ever been disappointed when I've gone to the Lord for wisdom. Never. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Let his voice and his language stir up your heart so that when you go, you, are full, you have something to give. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.